and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. This week I'm speaking to neurodivergent life coach Zoe Joanna about ADHD, autism, neurodivergent coaching and how it can help. I asked Zoe on to talk to us about neurodivergence for several reasons. The first is that I think since I have been learning more and more about ADHD, because I'm working my way through the diagnosis process myself, is I have noticed that what is shown on TV or spoken about in the media and what people seem to understand about ADHD doesn't in my head give a very fair representation of what it actually is. You only hear about the tip of the iceberg. I understand that before I started looking into ADHD, I didn't understand much either about it. I had a few friends who had children that have it, but I didn't really know what it involved. I never even thought about how the person with ADHD may feel or the struggles in life that they face. So I think it would be good to speak with someone who works with neurodivergent people every day to help share a clearer perspective of what life is actually like. I always think when it comes to sensitive topics, the more we understand, the less stigma there is. And the more we talk, the lighter the load feels. I first reached out to Zoe after I heard her speak in episode 51 of the podcast ADHD AF. I then met her a few weeks later in real life when I went to an ADHD AF evening that was put on in my local area. She was so easy to talk to and she also has ADHD so she knows what it feels like. And because she coaches people with autism as well, I thought it would be interesting to talk about both. I learned about ADHD through the world of podcasting. I listened to Fern Cotton's Happy Place every week. She was talking one week to someone from Rizzlequicks about their ADHD. It was only a short conversation out of the whole interview, but it really rang true with me. So I leapt on Spotify and basically typed in ADHD to see what would come up. I was drawn to two podcasts. One was ADHD Adults, which is a science and fact-based podcast about ADHD. They teach you so much and you understand all the topics a lot easier because it's really explained well. The other podcast was ADHD AF, which is a podcast by two girls who have gone through their ADHD diagnosis later in life and they share their experiences with other guests and between each other on how it feels and how it presents to them. Between these two podcasts, I feel like I've learned a well-rounded amount about ADHD. But back to today. I really hope after listening to today's interview that you feel like you might have learnt something. I want to help raise awareness within our industry to help people understand and to help people support each other. So I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Here we go. Hi Zoe and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers. How are you today? I'm good thank you. How are you? Yeah really good thank you. So to get us going can you tell us a little bit about yourself your job role and why you got into um, coaching neurodivergent people? Yeah, so I'm Zoe from Zoe Joanna Coaching. And yeah, I'm a, I call myself a neurodiversity coach because neurodiversity means a diverse brain. And so I don't believe we just have ADHD or we just have autism. Obviously you've got the combination of the two, but for me, it's so much more than that. It's, you know, our childhood experiences, friends, family, culture there's so much that goes into who we are and I like to work with all of that within what I do as a coach so I just found the term neurodiversity coach suited me how I got into that so 
I've had counselling on and off throughout my life. And then I got to a point at the end of 2021 where I had my own business during the pandemic because I couldn't not do anything. So started my own business, suffered severe burnout towards the end of 2021. And I just closed the business down completely because I just was just not myself anymore. And then from that point, I sought out a business coach to kind of direct me and where I needed to go in life next because I just kept having these points of not just not knowing what to do with my life like I've always struggled with that and I found the coaching really supportive and great in terms of like moving forward like canceling is great in its own right and I love it but kind of moving you forward just really helped me and so through all of that and discovering more about me and what I wanted from life I decided I wanted to become a coach I had always been interested in canceling or becoming you know some sort of support for people but never thought I could do it and so coaching really helped me kind of move past that and so I started a course um, with coaching and loved that and then towards the end of my coaching course I went to a neurodivergent webinar and I was like oh this is hitting home (laughs) like everything (laughs) they were saying about ADHD I was like oh okay this is what ADHD is and I'm relating to a lot of it And my partner, um, he's a teacher, but he also does, he's also done a lot of cancelling and childline and he's got a good knowledge of um, neurodiversity, but we've not really spoken about it much. And like after the webinar, I remember speaking to him and being like, oh my God, I I think I might have ADHD. And he was like, (laughs) yeah, I think you do. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, obviously it's not my place to like, you know, diagnose or anything, but yeah, I can, I can see that. I started looking into it more and discovering more about it and I've been through all of that kind of having imposter syndrome and yeah many 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 tears going through that process of like Mm -hmm. what if I go to the doctor and actually I'm just broken and it's not this and all of those feelings and so I've been there and after going through that and learning more about it and trying to figure out where I wanted to go with my coaching I was like it just makes sense to work with other people who I can relate to and the more I started doing that the more I was like yeah this just aligned so perfectly with me like everyone I'm speaking to I get and I understand and we've got that connection and I just feel like that's so important to talk to someone who gets it and understands and it's beautiful yeah that's really important so important I I know since I've been finding out about it that it's exactly the same I've met a few people actually within the industry Mm. um, who also have ADHD and just having people to bounce off to say oh I'm struggling with this at the moment I think this is what this is and then they just totally get it it's not like oh I've got to explain and explain and explain there's no mystery about it you just when when it's two people who both have it you you just get it don't you yeah definitely I think it's so important when you're first finding out about having ADHD or even autism to speak to someone else I remember speaking to a coaching friend when I was going through that and I was like I'm getting these imposter syndromes and I just don't know and she was like I have a friend who has ADHD can I set you up as almost like a play date and I was like oh that's really nice of her it was lovely but I was so scared that I would speak to this person and they'd be like oh my god you really don't this is just someone who's jumping on the trend or the bandwagon as soon as we started speaking and sharing experiences I was like oh my god you get it and I can actually talk to you about this and I don't feel alone and that was amazing and since then yeah. like the more people I've spoken to the more I'm like comfortable with yeah, this more relaxed yeah so if I um ask you a bit about ADHD to start off with then mm-hmm. um can you give us a rundown of the more common traits that affect us so, I mean ADHD diagnosis is broken down into a few different categories you've got you know, inattention, impulsivity, hyperactivity. And so that's the main thing that is looked at, especially with the diagnosis criteria. If you're an inattentive type, then it's more of the kind of easy distracted, poor communication skills. And that comes down to more the attention part of ADHD. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're hyperactive, that actually involves the hyperactivity side of it, like over overly energetic, talkative, exec- excessive fidgeting. And then you've also got the impulsivity bit that plays into that. Mm-hmm. That's the impatient, taking risks and 
that side of it. So the combination, if you're combined type, it's that you have the attention side of those three things, the attention, the impulsivity and hyperactivity, or you've just got kind of one or the other. And okay. so that's a kind of how it's played out. But then the more you investigate it and learn about it, you've got things like time blindness and rejection sensitivity dysphoria and working memory. Yeah. So there's those parts that come to play into it as well. And then when you dig deeper, we've got the hormone side of it and how estrogen levels can affect your dopamine receptors. So there's a lot that goes into the symptoms of having ADHD, which I think is why a lot of people find it difficult to get their head around yeah. the different aspects of it and to explain it to someone else as well can be really difficult. Yeah. Because it feeds into that whole, oh, but we're all like a bit forgetful sometimes. And it's like, oh, yeah. how do I get it across to you? That yes. it's like, so it's a, a case of well, some people might be like losing their phone two or three times a day and some people might be losing it 20 or 30 times a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the RSD, that, that's something that I did actually kind of want to talk to you about. So yeah. rejection, sensitivity, I always forget the D. Dysphoria. <laughs> Dysphoria, that's it. Um, so how, how does that tend to affect people? Can you explain just a little bit about it, what mm-hmm. it is? Because um, it seems that everyone who I speak to um, with ADHD that I've come across, whether it be friends or at one of the events that I've been to, obviously I met you at the ADHD AF event. Yeah. Um, everyone that I speak to seems to struggle with that one. So it seems quite mm-hmm. common. So yeah, RSD, go for it. So RSD, they say it's it comes through as that rejection, but also perceived rejection. So someone could yeah. obviously out say, I don't like you which would be lovely for them to say or they could give us a slight look or a prime example of this is when you're at work and a boss is like oh can I chat to you later and you're like what have I done yeah (laughs) for some people it can be very severe and it actually feels like physical pain inside Mm -hmm. of you and it feels completely crippling for other people it can really show us well that's I cannot think of anything else for the rest of the day like I've had clients where they've had that example of the workplace and they're like I literally can't do anything for the rest of the day because I'm thinking about all of this and ruminating on it yeah and I'm just stuck in this state of feeling like I've been rejected and it it can last for some people for hours some people for days weeks like months it can last a really long time and Mm. it can feel really crippling and often a lot of people just don't know how to get out of it it can feed into that cycle and that negative you know thoughts and the way I address it in my coaching is it's it's a very real part it's not one of the the, the diagnosis criteria but as you say a lot of people really do experience and relate to it Mm -hmm. and what I found is a lot of it links to our inner beliefs about ourselves so Mm -hmm. if for example I feel like I'm awful as a coach if I feel like I'm in a session and someone's maybe not, you know, vibing with me a certain way, or I feel like I'm being rejected in a certain way, or I don't hear back from someone after a coaching call, that could potentially cripple me because that's coming from this belief, well, I'm not good enough. So you obviously see that as well. You don't see that I'm good enough. And so there's a lot of work I do with people in terms of what's going on internally here. Is there like an inner belief as well? Yeah. Coming out, but the way our brains made up in the way we are we're more likely to have those strong emotional connections to it like for a lot of people logically we're like logically I know they're not rejecting me but emotionally I feel it and it's to do with a lot of internal stuff as well again linking back to our beliefs yeah I know um I I definitely definitely can relate to the whole RSD idea and I feel almost immediate shame like you feel it in your stomach you feel it in your shoulders you feel it in your neck you can't sleep you literally it's like a loop round and round and round and round Mm. and I know that I've spoke to my partner about it or my parents or whoever and and sometimes they're a bit like Carla you really need to stop thinking about this like it's definitely a difficult one because even I've you know when I've had times of feeling that way if someone says to me the kind of reality of the situation like oh well you know they're not you know actually like dislike you or they're not inviting you to something because they hate you like they're probably just busy and giving me those logical examples oftentimes that doesn't mean anything for me I'm like right <laughs> but I'm still yeah. that's the way I feel yeah and so for yeah. me it's just been really trying to understand well actually what's what's happening internally like why do I feel 
like that? Why do I feel rejected? Where's that coming from? And so now if I do have those feelings that come up, even around work, where I'm like, oh, this is like, I'm feeling really rejected right now. I have to really check in with myself of like, definitely checking the reality of the situation, but also like, has there any, like, could I have done anything? Okay, what can I learn from this? What is the reality? Let's just have a check in there. And like, what do I need? Because often we don't know what mm-hmm. we need. Yeah. And so now it's like, right, I need to either just that out to you like my partner and talk to you about it or let's just put on some comedy and I just need to just like focus my mind somewhere else so it's figuring that out as well but not oftentimes do we allow ourselves to do that we don't just sit no. there and go what do I need like what's going no. on we don't do that <laughs> no, so, uh... I think also with the hyperactivity of ADHD would mm-hmm. you say that that um, can quite often be for hyperactive you know overthinking as well you're spot on it is yeah internal and external I think for a lot of people they're like oh I'm not hyperactive because especially when you go through the questions and you're looking at the diagnosis a lot of it's like oh so you're like moving around in your seat and you're like driven by a motor like I remember seeing that I'm like I'm not driven by a motor I don't feel like I need to oh my god I need to get up right now and I need to move about and get this energy out I don't feel like that like I definitely notice again how ADHD can get louder the more you notice it like I never really realized I fidgeted in my seat a lot and I play with stuff and fidget with my hands. Yeah. And so it's like that energy is coming out in slightly different ways. And obviously with women, we suppress a lot of it as we grow up. So there's all of that to take into consideration. But yeah, internally, our mind is super, super hyperactive in terms of yeah. just constantly going and thinking and processing. So yeah, definitely the two ways. Are there any myths around ADHD that you've heard that you think can be quite damaging? Yeah, myths. I mean, the most damaging one is kind of what I touched on earlier. Everyone has a little bit of ADHD or it's not real. And I think especially when you're trying to make sense of it and go through your own kind of, I'm going to use the word, journey with ADHD or even autism, it's, it's a lot and you're kind of, focusing on the past and making those connections and trying to figure out who you are and then to be told oh it's probably not real it's like it's neurological it's not just a feeling like there's neurological like transmitters in our brain and our brain develops slightly differently and it's slightly smaller and there's all these connections so it's our it's our brain right it's been proven it has been scanned so it is very real and it's it's so hard when it's just dismissed like that and yeah for a lot of people when they say oh but I'm forgetful from time to time it's often from a place of care and to normalize what we're kind of going through but at the same time it really just diminishes what we're going through because we've spent so much of our lives feeling like we're lazy or broken or stupid and so to be like well everyone's a bit like that it's like are they like does everyone forget constantly Mm -hmm. or you know just zone out in conversations or concentrate like everyone can be in a boring meeting and just sort of zone out a bit and be like oh this is so boring but for a lot of people with ADHD it's like we try to concentrate so hard yeah and like we don't we're not deliberately doing that like there might be times to talk from time to time where something doesn't capture our interest and we do zone out fair enough yeah but a lot of the time, like I'll, I'll, my boyfriend will be telling me something so serious. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to concentrate on that. And I'm focusing on him. And then my brain will be like, oh, and then remember, you've got to send this email later. And like, oh, that thing happened earlier. And I'm like, oh my God, no, don't do that Stop. right now. He's like, yeah. telling me something so important. Like, <laughs> yeah. needs my attention. So it's like, yeah, it's, I that's a really actually, hard one. Yeah, I can remember several times actually that, well, a lot of times where I've been out at dog grooming events and I've been speaking to people at the side of a competition ring and they might have been trying to tell me something really important about you know something that's gone on in the salon or something to do with one of their dogs and um, I remember in particular one one girl was telling me something about how, how, how her dog had had to go to the vets recently and she was quite worried about it and I really wanted to listen I really wanted to spend that time and listen but my brain because there was so much going on there was multiple dogs in the ring in front of me there was people talking next to me there was stuff going on over the loudspeaker I could see someone in the other side of the room who I knew I had to meet up with at some point and I knew they weren't going to be there all day Um, I'd left my grooming kit in the ring that needs to come out before the next people went in 
and I, I really, I had the time. I, I didn't need to rush. I had 15 minutes so I could have sat there and had a really good conversation with her. But my brain was like, bing, 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 bing. Mm. And I'm thinking, stop it. This girl is going through something. She's trying to tell me about her dog. Have some sympathy, woman. And it's so easy to put stuff, you, you make yourself feel bad because you want to be listening. And it, it's not, it's not like, oh, oh, hang on. Oh, there's, you know, I'm not really that interested. So I'm just going to look at that bird out the window. It's like you have to fight to stay interested in something you're actually trying to listen to Mm -hmm. or like what even like in lessons, like when you're trying to learn stuff, you know, you might have paid a lot of money to go to a seminar or something and you really want to learn. That's the point in going. But, you know, someone's tapping their pen over there or a fly's buzzing over there. And I've got all these hearing things that I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I'm not interested in the fly. I don't care about the pen. All I want to see is how you're scissoring those legs. (laughs) <laughs> but my brain is like chip, 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 chip. yeah um so and, like, yeah and for a lot of us like with our memory as well like when we're thinking all of these different things and our brain's pinging off there can be that real concern of like I kind of want to keep those thoughts in my head because what if they go in and I forget you know all these different things I need to do that are pinging about in my brain but I need to concentrate so it's this battle internally that's kind of going on of like must listen and concentrate oh my god I need to remember to do that please don't go out of my brain yeah yeah so there's it's a lot more than I think the media do make it sound a lot smaller than what it is and they only seem to mention odd symptoms they don't seem to mention any of the other stuff that goes goes with it so yeah yeah. yeah, there's a lot I mean you've got that it's like overdiagnosed that it's a trend you know that it's just boys these are things that are talked about quite often and I think that the, the trend one as well is definitely one that's comes up more and more that people get concerned about like even when I went to the doctor originally about it I was like oh, I don't want them to think it's a trend so I had even more pressure on me to be I had a journal like written out of examples so I could be like look this is what's going on for yeah. me it's not just that I've watched a, I don't even have TikTok so it's not even like I've watched some TikToks and been like oh my mm. god that relates like no I've like properly done my research please listen to me and and luckily I was but yeah it's just been this whole like the pandemic was a huge catalyst for it and people kind of being alone and trying to make sense of it and then yeah with the rise of kind of TikTok and people speaking out about it more so it's great that awareness has been more raised and we don't just assume it's you know little boys or whatever but yeah it's just that concern as well but then you've got things like menopause which is like you know being talked about more which is fantastic that really needs to be talked about but people don't you know see that as just like a trend either so no mm, it's interesting and the thing is with the menopause as well is it am I right in thinking that that can be a time where people tend to realize that they've got ADHD because of the hormones is it around that sort of age group that when you're an adult it can be quite common to to set off mm-hmm. your, your ADHD a bit more? Yeah, so AD, because of the link with hormones um, in women, when you're going through like puberty and you're starting to, you know, have menstrual cycles and stuff, that's when ADHD symptoms be- can become more prominent and notice more. We <laughs> tend not to have done in our lifetime. That's mm-hmm. been missed. But that's when we would start to have those kind of changes and, and things. But yeah, then when it gets to perimenopause and menopause is a lot of the time when women can start to get diagnosed because the symptoms just basically worsen and they get more prominent yeah and that's to do with like the estrogen levels affecting your dopamine and so that that all feeds into um, like the neurotransmitters and the prefrontal cortex and stuff so there's a lot that goes into it unfortunately hasn't been studied much so we're still trying to piece it together at the moment and figure out more about it like when I was doing my research into it I had to really I had to read so many different sites and look through so much different information to try and piece it together for myself and it was just mind-blowing because then it's like oh okay so your menstrual cycle affects you in this way because oh my god estrogen affects your dopamine like I had no idea about that no I didn't no so no wonder like on my week before my brain is just like fuzzy and like I feel like I can't concentrate and it's just horrible feeling and I just had no idea why that was and then it made sense 
and then my brain was like oh my god what about contraception like how does that affect you and then yeah pregnancy as well like pregnancy is a huge one like for a lot of women who have ADHD after giving birth your estrogen levels just plummet like the chart is just like boo and then so a lot of women really struggle after pregnancy and it's just like oh my god we're not talking about this and oh yeah puberty periods pregnancy perimenopause menopause all of these things are gonna sort of heighten like you say it's it's mad but now I know that ADHD and autism do have some crossovers could you sort of explain the ways that they are similar and then also the ways that um autism is slightly different Mm mm-hmm Yes, there's a lot, there's a huge amount of crossover with ADHD and autism. This is a lot for people to take in as well when they're trying to understand more about themselves because then you've got things like sensory issues that can, you know, a lot of people with ADHD feel like they have sensory issues in terms of sound and noise and lights. Um, Stimming as well, where you just kind of do repetitive behaviors or like I've got this pen that I'm kind of twirling around at the moment. This just helps me focus and regulate emotion. You've also got difficulties with impulse control. There's emotional regulation difficulties, executive function difficulties, rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria. That crossover is really prominent as well. And that special interests and passions. But the difference like where it kind of shows that the main differences that I've seen and that I understand to be is people who have autism it's more to do with the socializing side of it so in terms of not being able to read social cues and understand things like it feels like autistic minds are very um literal thinking and so if someone the prime example of this is like oh break a leg and an autistic person not really understanding like what that means like mm-hmm. differences are that kind of social aspect of it and then also this kind of repetitive behavior like for a lot of autistic people saying things over and over again or doing things in a certain way is mm-hmm. very so calming like routine, for them like more routine based and like yeah and I always I say with autism they crave more like familiarity and routine whereas ADHD people crave more novelty and new experiences so then I've seen a lot of people say that if they feel like they have both, then it's like, okay, well, I need the routine indicate and that kind of familiarity, but then I do also want some new and exciting experiences. And then, so this causes this internal battle inside and people with ADHD can have difficulty with social situations, but that more stems from this kind of the focus and attention details or again can relate to just feeling like they don't belong and not being able to fit in and so it ties in with the masking but obviously autistic people mask as well so there's a lot of crossover but the two differences yeah I'd say is that kind of repetitive behavior maybe more likely to want routine and then the social cues and kind of understanding social differences but again more and more is being researched like it it wasn't thing ages ago to even no, you could have both. So right, okay. We're looking more at the kind of how you could get diagnosed for both because at the minute, obviously, it's kind of separate. Like you could have a, yeah. an autism diagnosis or an ADHD. So is there a way of combining the two? But it's such an underfunded and unre- under researched. So I feel like more is going to come out about it. And yeah, we've got more people obviously online that's raising awareness of how they feel about it, which people can relate to. So yeah. Yeah, and I think the more um, more things are learned about and the more um, people share their experiences and the more testing that's done, the more research that's done, it's all sort of like an upwards um, spiral if it mm-hmm. all, all going on together, isn't it? I think, you know, the more we find out, the more people get diagnosed, the more people will understand why they're struggling in certain areas, the more they'll spread their knowledge the more mm. it's learned do, do, do you know what I mean it's it's yeah. going in the right direction it just feels for sure it feels like we want it to get there now sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not impulsive at all but yeah, you just want to <laughs> know it all now and um yeah. yeah I think I think as knowledge is spread it definitely makes life easier um I know that it's not it's something that if you sp- I've mainly spoke to my close friends and family about mm. really um and even within that circle some have been really easy to talk to if they've just taken it and got oh right okay so that makes sense yep didn't know that yep got you understand other people yeah but 
mm, what about this but yeah but I yeah what about that I do that and mm, are you sure it's sometimes I think it's just holding back the doubtful questions and just listening for a while and maybe asking for examples and you know mm -hmm. the more communication we have the more we learn um the easier life gets really doesn't it I think yeah definitely as a dog groomer as well as grooming dogs which is usually the fun bit we have to manage our books book appointments we have to liaise with customers and usually work long days in one spot in front of the grooming table can you see any ways that we may find some areas of the role difficult if we suffered with either ADHD or autism? Mm. I think this is where it comes down to, it's obviously very individual. Everyone mm -hmm. shows up with their autism or ADHD in different ways. So yeah, it's hard to be like, oh, you would definitely find, you know, these things. Yeah, of course. Feel like from what you've said, the most common things that come to mind for me is so if it's a repetitive task like you really know what you're doing mm -hmm. if if our brains just kind of know what to do we can zone out so I guess there could be possibility of making mistakes or getting distracted and then you might have rejection like I don't obviously I'm not yeah. too sure of the dog grooming world but yeah so if someone, if, if someone said something maybe they're not quite happy with the groom or maybe you're charging too much or something like that then the rejection from there so yeah sorry yeah no, no, that's great. No, it's great because obviously I don't know much about the dog grooming world. So that's kind of what comes up for me is then there could be the rejection of that. There could be maybe forgetting to book certain appointments in or... Double booking appointments. Double booking appointments. <laughs> um, I don't know if time blindness could possibly show up in terms of, oh, yeah, yeah. it's going to take this long. Yeah. You may get to know how long, I don't know, certain things yeah. take. But yeah. There's, there's certain things, I mean, with autism, we've touched on the social, social interaction side of it. So it could be, we may be just, as you touched on, like for a lot of people, they find working with animals maybe mm -hmm. easier than working with humans. But if you have to have that social interaction still, someone could maybe joke with you in a certain way, but you might just not understand it or understand the sarcasm or so that yeah, social so... interaction might be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, no, that does make sense because sometimes it, it can actually be quite difficult just finding out what it is the customer actually wants because okay. uh, a quite a common one that we get is, oh, short but not too short. Uh, that can be quite challenging, just figuring out what they want if they're asking for a, a groom with a dog that's got a completely different hair type to the picture that they're showing us, trying to explain why that cut won't suit that dog when you know you're trying to make a cocker spaniel look like a poodle it's just never going to happen <laughs> you know you, you'd yeah. be surprised at some of the requests we get but the time blindness you mentioned that's definitely something that I've I've noticed in the salon if you've got your regular customers that are in on a six weekly basis same size dog every time same coat growth every time it took mm -hmm. me an hour and a half last time it's going to take me an hour and a half this time oh but until they say oh this time can we have this instead or you know or maybe if it's a first customer and you how long is that coat going to take to dry because I've never done one of them dogs before um then I'm sort of like yeah um can I call you when I'm about 15 minutes off that's something that I quite often use as a you know get out clause for that but that's all well and good if it's the last dog of the day but if you're picking a new dog in and you've only got space at one o'clock in the afternoon and you don't finish till five and you've got dogs afterwards it can throw a spanner in the works that quite a lot um that is something that I definitely struggle with and I don't know about if this is I don't actually know if this is time blindness but like when say you've got your tax turn in January mm. and I get to like halfway through December and I'm like ah that's eight weeks away I don't have to worry about that and I've yep. not done anything since the last April it's all stashed in a box or in my wallet or in yeah. my till or upstairs in a pile somewhere in my room and I leave it and it gets to Christmas day and I'm like, oh it's Christmas I need to enjoy Christmas new mm. year yeah 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 that'll be fine I've got you know 30 days left to go and then you get to like the 10th of January and you're like oh, I can't take any more um but that, that idea of, yeah, yeah, I've got ages, I've got ages, I've got ages. And then it's like, oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Is that still time blindness if you're putting it off over time or, you know? Yeah, it feeds into that, 
now and not now side yeah. of it in terms of that feels like ages away so again that we don't perceive time in a certain way like we really struggle to perceive time like I know if I say numerous times I said to my mom yeah we'll go for a walk at 12 and in my head I'm like 12 is when we leave but I don't think of the time before that of getting ready or like putting my shoes on or like maybe I've forgotten to do something yeah. else there's that side of it as well but yeah like tax return ages away absolutely ages away and then suddenly that time is here and it's not ages away and it's nothing <laughs> like that deadline to incentivize us to be like right <laughs> and sometimes I feel like I've thought about my tax return the fact that I need to do it so much Mm -hmm. in my head it's it's almost like I've done it when Mm. I actually haven't done anything all I've done is worry about it um Mm. so that's another thing that that um does crop up a lot but I can totally relate to what you said about leaving because if I know it takes me 15 minutes to get to my local town I've got all my stuff ready by you know a good maybe an hour beforehand and then I think I've got an hour now I'll just do this and I'll just do that and then before I know it's like five minutes before I've got to leave I don't know where my phone is I don't know where my keys are I haven't put the dogs away I haven't um gone around and done my usual check of what have I remembered to switch off or not remember to switch off in the house just to double check to make sure that I haven't forgotten something Mm -hmm. and then by the time I've done all that like you get out the door and then you think oh did I check that did I do that hang on have I got my phone and then I'm looking in my bag I'm looking in my pockets and I know that I've packed my phone because I remember doing it 10 minutes ago but did I put it down since then who knows where (laughs) it is you know and then before you know it it's already 15 minutes after when I was supposed to leave and I'm messaging whoever it is saying I'm on my way I'll be there as soon as possible flying down the road Mm. trying to be there in time um all these things like forgetting things time blindness rsd and then obviously because you're late you think people think you don't care when you do care you've just been do you know what i mean it's like round and round and round and round there's there's so much going on up here that Mm -hmm. a nobody really understands because it's not spoken about and b even when it's yourself you don't know what it is you just think you're going crazy yeah someone says oh do you think you might have ADHD?" (laughs) (laughs) and they're like oh Oh, Oh, that's what it is. This has a name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because neurodivergence appears differently for everyone, how would it be best for a boss to offer help to a neurodivergent employee if they want to find out how they can help? I feel like this is a difficult one. My go-to response, to be honest, would be if you feel like an employee is neurodivergent, obviously speak to them and just find out what they need but for a lot of the times we don't often know what we need it's very difficult Mm -hmm. for us to understand that ourselves especially if you're trying to work through how ADHD or autism shows up for you and I'd say the biggest thing you could do is provide that safe space because there's been so many times in my employment where I've definitely not felt safe in my employment or the relationship with the company or even my manager to feel like I could say you know what I'd need extra support obviously when I was employed I had I didn't know I had ADHD but looking back and trying to kind of unpick it I was like god there's so many times I don't feel like I probably could have said anything because I just didn't feel like I would be understood or safe because especially large corporations I felt more like a number or I, it would just come across as like more hassle for them and like why should they Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's just very much for that employer to create a safe space to talk to their employee to be like, you know, what do you need? What can we put in place? And obviously as an employee to kind of understand what your limitations are as well, because you are a business at the end of the day too, which I understand. But more often it comes down to little things like allowing breaks for people because often we need those breaks in with the work we're doing or in the day to kind of just give ourselves a bit of a mental break or even distract ourselves with something else that's new and interesting to then refocus our energy to then go back onto that task or listen to music while we're at work or something else to get our brain engaged to to move past this even boring task we're doing or to be able to write notes or you know doodle or fidget in meetings like often that can be looks like we're not paying attention but that can actually really help us to to focus yeah and so it's just trying to 
be aware of that and understand it so if you feel like say someone is just like doodling and you're like can we talk about this they may be like oh actually like I really am listening these are all the notes I've taken and for that employer just to be very open to that and to just be aware and understand that for a lot of us we do want to try we do want to succeed in the work we're doing it's just trying to find out the ways that might look slightly different like we don't want to cause an impact we're not saying right I have ADHD I need a whole room to myself like yeah that would be lovely for some of us sometimes we need that space distraction free yeah but working with you it would be reasonable in in that instance to ask to wear a pair of um, ear defenders if things are getting Mm -hmm. too noisy I mean that's something that someone could do if there's too much going on and they need to have a bit of quietness um like you say in meetings if people are needing to doodle or needing to fidget or something I know I know when I have sat exams in the past you get to the end of an exam paper and you've got to sit there till everyone's done and you are just sitting there looking at tables in front of you in a quiet room where everyone's trying to concentrate and I'm sitting there and I'm fidgeting my feet and I'm moving them and this was a um, I did a breed appreciation day the other week which is basically Mm -hmm. where you with the kennel club go and learn about a specific breed and get signed off to say that you know about it Mm -hmm. Um, i I really, really, really enjoy learning about this particular breed. So I'd done a hell of a lot of revision. I was completely obsessed with it in the run up to it. I did the questions, ticked the answers off. And then I sat there and I had to wait. Right. So my legs were out in front of me. We had a hard floor. It was a hard table. I was on hard school type chairs and I was jiggling my feet around in the air so that I wouldn't be tapping anything so that I wouldn't be like, you know, tapping my fingers on things <laughs> yeah. or like you say, flicking your pen around or like tapping your foot on the floor or things like that. So just for people to understand, like you say, in a meeting situation, if someone's sitting there and you know that they struggle with the ADHD or I don't know if it's the same for autism or not, I don't know anything about that. Um, but to someone else, it could be perceived as being quite rude to sit there mm. and do it or when someone's trying to talk to you like that. It, socially, that is quite rude. Yeah. But if you have... Um, you know spoken to your boss or if your boss understands that that's something that you do to help you concentrate to stop you being distracted from anything else that's mm. quite a reasonable thing to to sort of ask isn't it really so like you say I think talking to the person and figuring out what's working for them as they go along yeah. as long as there's that like you say safe space to make communication then I think most dog grooming um employers could find a way um you know around helping the person with whatever it is if it's not if it's not a massive thing then it's just about being open isn't it and like you say feeling like you can actually speak you know yeah definitely ask for what it is that you need because sometimes asking for help is the hardest bit really isn't it I think yeah for sure because again for a lot of the times we have it comes back to this feeling of that we are different or we're somehow broken or stupid or there's a lot of negative thoughts we tell ourselves and that we end up believing about ourselves and oftentimes we really want to do good we want to succeed in life we want to you know have a career we want to succeed we're not deliberately trying to not listen or you know be difficult or anything like that and so if we were provided that safe space of support where there's just like these little things really that we need to kind of support Mm -hmm. us day to day and it might just look slightly different you'll get so much out of us and it's really not much to ask and I think that's a frustrating thing a lot of the time but it feels like for us so much to ask because we've just not really had those conversations before it's not really been spoken about we just see everyone else getting on so then to be the awkward odd one out to be like oh hi actually I need some headphones it's like feels really awkward but it shouldn't do we've just I won't start running about society but like this this I have such an issue with the way we work and I, d- I just there's just so much we could change to make our lives better and yeah we could succeed in so many different ways but we've just fallen into a society of you work nine to five and you do things a certain way and it's like hmm. Hmm. I understand so why that is but it's like the whole square being a square peg trying to fit into hmm. a round hole I think a lot of people say that don't they you're trying to fit in but you just that norm isn't 
doesn't work for you so it could yeah. even be something like you say if, if people are struggling with working say nine to five then doing you do like you know three mornings a week you know four yeah. afternoons a week maybe two four days a week just discussing what rotors work for that particular person um yeah i know so that's like more of a difficult one like it. yeah that is hard it is harder when it comes to you know bookings and things but i suppose it's the sort of thing where if you if you're seeing it's becoming a problem by the time you go to make your next round of appointments um something that could be altered down the line with with you know a plan um yeah so yeah and also if you sort of flip the coin and said to someone who knew um either knew that they were um adhd or autistic or Mm -hmm. they were just sort of figuring it out Mm -hmm. um what's the best way to sort of approach, you know, a a boss about, you know, making different adjustments? I'd say, I'd say before you have the conversation, obviously thinking about how you feel about your employer and if you feel like it's a safe environment. But I really do believe with this, especially when you're trying to figure out your own ADHD or autism or the combination of the two, AUDHD, like, really trying to hone in on on how it shows up for you like all those different ways like time blindness or distractibility or sensory issues like really understanding how it shows up for you so you know what you need and like the impact of it like you may have sensory issues but maybe they don't appear at work maybe you have just been able to get on with it and maybe you can continue to like fine but if actually it's like no I do need I don't know, yeah, to wear headphones because the office is just too noisy and I've dealt with it, but actually it really does cause me stress. Like I can mm-hmm. deal with it, but not to a degree I'm that comfortable with. Like if I did have some noise cancelling, like little in-ear headphones or whatever, I'd be more productive than just recognising that and writing that down and just having that understanding. So when you can go to your employer and say, yeah, to see no, um, either I'm figuring out like I've been reading a lot about ADHD or or autism or I'm actually diagnosed now this is how I understand it shows up for me in the workplace and this would be really helpful you know what how can we work together to you know put these in place for me because I really want you know do one and succeed here but these things have made it really difficult for me and these differences would mean the world to me and just seeing how you're met with that but I always preface with kind of understanding like not relying on a certain outcome this goes for all areas of life to be honest but yeah thinking like oh I'm gonna say this and they're definitely gonna put it in place for me like even if you've got a great employer like maybe they will and that's fantastic but understanding they may not and kind of just already being prepared and aware of that like we can't prepare for every eventual outcome and we're not trying to control the situation but just being aware that if they can't put these things in place like what do we want to do about it what can we do about it can we go to higher up can we speak to someone else do we look for another job like just being aware of your options so it doesn't feel like oh if they don't that's it yeah that's I don't have any other options and this is awful and feeds into RSD and all of that so yeah, yeah no, that's just... really good advice. I think you've you've explained that really well, actually. It's, oh, it's really helpful. Yeah. Can you explain what exactly neurodivergent coaching is and how it helps? Yeah, so in different ways. Like I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of different ADHD coaches or people who coach autism or neurodivergent coaches, and everyone does it in a slightly different way. So I'll mainly just explain my side of it and how I perceive it. My coaching is for anyone who feels like they might have ADHD or autism or is self-diagnosed or formally diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So for me, you don't have to be formally diagnosed. There's some coaches that do say you have to be, and that's that's up to them. If that's the way they work, that's the way they work. But for me, you don't have to, because I truly believe no one needs to go through this process alone. And it is a lot, as we've talked about. There's a lot to figure out about yourself, how it shows up for you. There's a lot of like it's a mourning period almost of going through like the past and figuring it all out and being like, oh my God, what if I'd have had the support and what could I have done with my life? So you're figuring out like the past, the present. And also the future sometimes of like, right, for a lot of people, it's like, okay, so you've got ADHD, you've got autism. There you go. 
and you're like yeah. well, what do I do with this information like <laughs> yeah. how do I work with it what do you want me to what do you want me to do with time blindness like how am I supposed to work with that going forward how it's affected my life what am I supposed to do now like we're not yeah. given a book or a manual that kind of explains it or how we work with it and so it's figuring that out for you and that's why I, I hold like I love coaching so much because it is one-on-one like we're figuring it out for you I don't just come in with oh these are the tried and tested methods I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do do these five things you'll be fine mm-hmm. again there's so much that goes into figuring out how these things show up for you but then a lot of the time it's processing things like childhood and friendships and I had one woman come up to me being like ADHD has cost me my relationship friendships like a career like I'm mad at it and I was like mm. I could feel that from her and I was yeah like it is a lot and there can be anger there can be relief some people mourn like the past but I've had a few people that are like well I mourn my future because I thought maybe this could be a temporary thing that I could work through but you're telling me that this is my life now that this is neurodevelop you know neurodevelopmental so this is with me I don't I don't necessarily want that but it's stuck with me and it's a hard thing Mm. and so coaching really provides that safe non-judgmental space with someone who gets it just to have it all out and so the beauty of it as well which I love more than anything is you don't you don't say it all and then you're questioned about it or someone's like oh my god same right because last Mm. week blah 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 like you haven't got any of that you've got a space where you can just show up as you be angry be happy you know cry whatever it is get it out and we can process it and understand and then figure out ways to move forward and work with it that makes sense for you and that's like the most important thing and that's why with communities and like Facebook groups I think it's great to realize that you're not alone mm-hmm. and see a lot of similarities but I've, I've seen a lot of times like even for myself that imposter syndrome can be worse especially when you're starting to go through it because I've seen people with you know pictures of rooms just with stuff everywhere and I'm like oh my god well I don't do that so do yeah. I have ADHD like yeah there's stuff that's chaotic yeah. like I've got things in boxes still that aren't sorted out but it's not to that degree so I think that can fuel this and then kind of links with what you were saying earlier about when we're faced with like say you were to put like the amount of times I see this where someone will put something on social media and be like oh my god does anyone else feel like this or I'm working through this at the minute and then you've got all of these comments Mm -hmm. about these different things and it's like oh my god I didn't even think about that or now I'm stressed about that and it's it can so a lot of the times I see people post something get like 100 or 300 comments and then they don't even comment again because it's so overwhelming and that can feed into the RSD and so it's being very aware of that like it's great to have a space to talk but you're bombarded with all of this as well where actually you need a space where you can digest your own thoughts and understand what's going on for you yeah and the coaching sounds like a lot more personal because obviously you're Mm. tailoring you're tailoring the work to what that individual person struggles with rather than everyone just having their say about all their stuff as well which like you've said earlier everyone presents differently um so you're never going to be asked to find someone who is exactly the same they may understand but it's it's your problems are your problems and your struggles are your struggles and no matter how high or low they are compared to someone else that you know you need help with them and a coach is going to tailor the help to you you know exactly to what you need so yeah exactly so it's yeah, there's so many different elements of it because I help people actually go through their diagnosis journey. I've also got people who know they're neurodivergent in some way, but just want help transitioning careers. So there's so many different aspects to it. Like everyone who comes to me is different and has a variety mm-hmm. of different reasons they're turning up. And which is part of the reason I love it. And it's beauty because it has got that variation and it's new for me. So it takes yeah. my ADHD boxes, but so much of what I do is adapted to people. I've got a client at the moment who's very visual. So it's like, right, well, we need to work with pictures or you can introduce even things like Lego where you're actually building out roles in front of you. So it's a very re- visual representation. So it's finding what works for you and that's the beauty and power of it. 
Yeah, that sounds really interesting, actually. No, that's great. And how important is it to have a good bond with your coach? Um, And if it's really important, then why? It's very important. Um, When you're working with a coach, I feel like you you quickly realise you kind of will vibe with them. I feel like, I don't know how I feel about using the word vibe, but you do have that, I guess, connection with them. You can tell that you get on. And I think that's really important because you're basically entering a space where you're going to be very vulnerable and very open. A lot of the time you're in that space telling that person something you may have not told anyone or a very limited amount of people. And you want to feel safe. You want to feel like you're not going to be judged, that you can just get everything off your chest. And that coach or person isn't sitting there like, oh, my God, what on earth is this? Like, no, (laughs) they're there to like hold that space for you. Yeah. and be with you for you to actually really explore the thoughts and what's going on and yeah. we've we've rarely had that and especially there's so much of what I do that links back to childhood and for a lot of us we've had to grow up very fast I'm a, I've had to grow up very fast in my childhood and we've often not had that safe supportive space and that stays with us so we've got this inner child almost that yeah. needs a safe space to actually sit with someone and yeah kind of work so, with well, them sounds so almost a, a bit like counseling you need to have mm-hmm. that same sort of a bond with like you know like you would with a, with a sure. because you're talking about personal experiences mm-hmm. that are like you say you might not have told anyone before it's quite vulnerable and it's quite hard I think for anyone neurodivergent <laughs> or not um to sometimes just put on a plate the things that they find hard the things that they feel they may have you know shame about or anxiety about or upset these big feelings sometimes are quite hard to put on the table aren't they so yeah really hard I think that's why it's important to like especially if you if you speak to a coach you're like oh that didn't really go too well or I didn't feel like I got on with them like that's fine like that's part of the process like speak to someone else maybe speak to someone else again like speak to a few people to make sure you're as comfortable as possible to show up as you and to feel like I can be vulnerable I can just say what I need to say and it will be okay and I'm heard and they get it as well that's so important a lot of my clients are like I work with you because I feel like you get it and you understand me and that's like the most important thing because a lot of us haven't felt like that so yeah well yeah you are very down to earth you are very I find you quite easy to talk to even when I met you the first time the other week I was like oh I'm gonna meet this girl and she's gonna be there and I'm gonna I need to know who she is and I don't know who she is and "Ah." but as soon as I came over and said hello I was like I sort of crept over I think but like within about like two minutes if that we was already having a chat and everything was you know really nice so I know I think you're in the right job I think you are thank you um so if people um wanted to get in touch with you for any help with coaching do you do online and um do do you do face-to-face how how do people get through to you and and what's best Mm -hmm. to do so the best way is either my website which is zoejoannacoaching.com or i'm on social media at zoejoannacoaching or you can drop me an email hello at zoejoannacoaching.com yeah so it's best just to get in touch whatever way feels best for you if you just want to drop me an email if you just want to book in a free discovery call you're more than welcome just reach out with any questions it's best just to do what feels comfortable some people obviously just like just to book in a call and they're like I'll just I'll have a call with you I'll, I'll just see, be what, there. see what you're about then some people yeah. like to email like oh, I've got a few concerns or I just want to know your pricing before I commit or tell me more about access to work so there's all of that so whatever feels comfortable for you just get in touch and we can have a chat about it I do work with people face to face in Aberdeen by appointment yeah. my calendar's all over my social media so you'll see the details of that but 80% of my clients to be honest are online via video call worldwide so yeah wow. I work with people all over the world by video calls so yeah 
Brilliant. No, that's great. And um, I think that that is all of the questions that I had sort of set out for you today. Is there anything that you feel like you'd like to add or is there anything you want to sort of bring into the conversation before we finish? Uh, the only other thing I would have to add is I am doing a workshop on the 22nd of June called ADHD, Me and RSD. And that's okay. just about... It's for people who already are aware of ADHD, like I won't go into too much of that, but what I'm trying to do is break down these different aspects of ADHD in terms of RSD, time blindness, hormones, all of these different things, but how they relate to you and trying to make it as specific to you as possible, because mm -hmm. I feel like that is missing a lot of the time. Like we'll see things online of like, this is what RSD is. And it's like, okay. But then we don't often think, well, how does that actually relate to me? How does that show up for me? And then how, what can I do to even start managing that? Mm -hmm. So I just, that's the part of the me in that title, ADHD me and RSD, yeah. because it's like, you're so important in this and we need to figure that out for you. So I am going to run that and see like how that goes. And if, if that's successful, then I may try and run some more. Where do people go to access that webinar? How, how do they get through to it? Yeah, so you can find out details if you go to my social media, which is mainly Instagram, I'm more active on, to be honest, you can get the link there and it will take you to the Eventbrite site where you can get a ticket or my okay. website also links to it as well. And so, yeah, coaching is the most important thing. So I, I was hesitant about putting on a webinar about it, but I also want to try and support people in as many ways as I can like I know yeah coaching can be quite a luxury thing so mm -hmm. if I can spread awareness this way and try and tailor it to people as much as possible then yeah. great so it's just kind of trying it at the moment but yeah oh that sounds brilliant that sounds really interesting Thanks. oh well thank you so much for your time tonight Zoe I've really enjoyed thank this you. conversation yeah Me I think too. it's been really really helpful enjoy the rest of your evening and thank you again thank you so much I'll speak to you soon bye Bye. I could talk to Zoe all day about neurodivergence. I liked how when she spoke about RSD to really try to think of where the core subject stems from. I've never heard of looking into your own RSD like that before. Mine is usually based around when I feel I've upset someone without realising. It's like I said, the instant shame of what I said or did. If I replay a conversation in my mind, I might think, they said that, then I said this, then they said that. Oh no, why did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. You know, that was a really silly thing to say. They must think I'm horrible. They must think I'm really stupid or really thoughtless. Whatever word fits the situation. It's like an instant panic. I have also found myself feeling that way when I've spoken to people about ADHD. They point out a trait that I didn't realise that I had. And then again, that twang of shame. I know it's true. I can see what they're saying. But like I hadn't even realised. And now I feel awful. I also thought it was really interesting to hear Zoe talk about things in the salon. And she is right. I've been grooming nine years now. And I know most of the dogs on my books really well and what haircuts they have. So to stop me wandering off, I listen to podcasts because I find them interesting. And because I'm engrossed in the podcast, I'm not thinking of all the other stuff bouncing around in my head. So I can concentrate on the task in hand. It's odd how sometimes you have to do two things at once to stop yourself thinking about a thousand other things. Also, I remember when I briefly worked in a busy salon a few years ago. It was a shock to the system. For me, there was too much going on and I obviously struggled to concentrate. Customers in and out, multiple groomers, lots of dogs everywhere, more barking, more blasters. It was actually very overwhelming at times. So thinking back, it would have really helped me if I'd have just put some headphones in to block out all the other stuff so I could concentrate on my job. It's keeping everything else quiet to allow me to concentrate on my thoughts. Going forward, I'm actually going to try this at grooming competitions as well and see if it helps at all there. I also find setting myself challenges, for example, concentrating on different breed standards, is something that gets me excited about grooming. I'm really lucky to have lots of different types of breeds on my books. And I always try and encourage customers to have a breed standard trim, even if it's a shorter and easier to maintain one. For me, to keep things varied, it makes the day go by much easier than if I'm doing the same thing all day every day. I personally couldn't think of anything worse than being in a salon doing the same thing all day. For example, just clipping dogs off all day or having a high percentage of the same breed. It's like Zoe said with her job, all of her customers bring something different and it's the same with our job, but with haircuts instead. Another example of time blindness that I didn't think about in the interview is when you're halfway through doing a dog, 
You know it normally takes an hour and a half, but the phone's rung halfway through, you've spoken to someone about booking an appointment in, and then all of a sudden you have no idea where time is sitting. As in, you don't know how long you've been grooming the dog before you answer the phone call, you don't know how long you've been on the phone call, and you know you haven't finished the dog, and you're going to have to call the owner and say, actually I need a bit more time. How much more time? Because you have no idea. So that's another thing that can be difficult. Perhaps I should start writing down what time I answer the phone, but then I've got to remember to do that in the moment. But as Zoe said, everybody is different. So what works for me might not work for others. It's about talking to each other in a safe space. There is even more to ADHD than we have spoken about today. For example, there's hyperfocusing, ADHD burnout, task paralysis, emotional dysregulation, and the comorbidities that can come with ADHD, such as anxiety, depression, and OCD. If you want to find out more, I suggest you check out the podcasts I mentioned earlier. I'll put them in the show notes. And Zoe has a brilliant resource page on her website. So if you want to learn more about anything to do with neurodivergence, then that's a brilliant place to look too. Next week, I'm talking to Ryan and Nicole, the fabulous hosts of the Whip It Out podcast. If you've not heard of it before, firstly, where have you been? And secondly, go and check it out. But for now, I hope you have a lovely weekend. Make sure you follow the Wellbeing for Dog Groomers Facebook page and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, cheerio. Thank you.